16, verses 5 and 6. We want to welcome Andrew Lang. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Amen. Thank you very much for being here with us. Hope you'll have a, receive a blessing. Amen. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. Amen. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Brother George Brown, would you please pray for us? God, it's again, Lord, Amen. You may be seated. Amen. It was on October the 29th, 1941, Winston Churchill had been the Prime Minister of England for about a year. He came to the office in the darkest of times. Without days of his, within days of his taking office, England's closest ally, France, fell to Germany. Much of the year was spent in the darkness of anticipated invasion. By the end of the year, things had begun to turn. Germany had chosen to invade Russia, making a country that was once an ally, an enemy, an ally. America had agreed to supply England with weapons and supplies. The times were still dark. Defeat loomed as a possible outcome, but there was a flicker of hope. On this day, Churchill had been asked to come speak at the school he attended, the Horace School. The speech that he gave that day against a background of war and looming defeat is ranked as one of the greatest speeches in history. The center of the message was these words, Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 never. These are words that we could all use reminding of sometimes, not just the start of a new year, but whenever times are difficult. When things look dark and defeat seems to be possible, we must stand. Churchill said, never give in. The title of our thought today, if we would have a title, would be, Never, Never, Never. That word never is an adverb. That means not ever. Not at any time, at no time. Young people understand it as not a, not a going to happen. Not going to happen. It refers to the past or to the future. Has to say, this man was never at Granite Falls, or is to say, he will never be at Granite Falls. That means it's not going to happen. He's never been there. It's not going to happen. That word never has very powerful implications. It has the intentions of finality. I'll never do that again. 
How many times of us have said, Lord, I ain't never going to do that again. And next thing you know, guess what? We've done it again. Or never in a million years. And yet only to find out that maybe so. And, but when God says never, God means never. We tell our kids, you do that again and you ain't never going to get this. You ain't never, and we find that we're to lie like a two-faced. But when God says never, God means never. Has the nation of England here looked and saw what had happened to their ally France, they thought, we're going to be invaded. And it's only by the grace of God that they weren't when Germany went and he gave that speech, never give in, never give in, never, 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 never. You know, and, and that rings true today for you and I as Christian people uh, that God said here in our, in our scripture verse, he said, I will never leave thee. God says, that ain't gonna, that, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to leave you, not ever. No matter what you do, I'm never going to leave leave you. David, God told David, and after all that David had done, God, David, God said, David, the sword's never going to leave your house, but I'm never going to get, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not going to leave you. And it has that intention of finality. Boy, you and I can understand that sometimes when we say never. That, that's never going to happen. Uh, it, it, never in a million years or this thing going to happen. That's never going to happen. But in the word of God, God gives us some nevers for the unsaved, he gives us some nevers for the saved. And he also gives us some nevers to the saved. Number one, the nevers God has for the unsaved. God says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Matthew seven twenty three. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Here Christ was saying, I never knew the, the false professors. I never knew those that... that that said that they knew me uh, and they professed to know me, yet they didn't know me and, and I didn't know them. It's not that he didn't know who they were, but he never had a personal relationship with him. They did not know what it meant to have that personal relationship one-on-one with Jesus Christ. The, the false professors do not know Christ personally. They do not acknowledge the redemption uh, his redemption, and they don't acknowledge his their need for that. They so they don't understand. They don't really know him because they don't know they need the Lord, and they don't know that God's provided the need. And God says here that they never come to Him for personal salvation. And God said, "I never knew you." Well, in our Sunday school this morning, uh, and I was reading uh, one of the verses there. I think it's Jeremiah 2 and 9, and God said, "I I plead with you. I plead with your children's children." God says, simply said, I'm begging you. I beg your children. God told Jeremiah there, I'm begging to have a relationship with you. I want to have that relationship with the children of, of Judah. And today God still is telling us here uh, in the word of God, he's simply, for if you don't know the Lord this morning, God says, I'm begging you to know me. I'm pleading with you. I pleaded with your parents. I pleaded with your grandparents. I'm pleading with you this morning. God is in a world and he gave his son to die on the cross for our sins. And he wants every one of us to go to heaven to be with him. But he's not going to force you to trust him or to put your faith faith and trust in Him. God wants you to freely give yourself to Him. In the day of judgment, it's, He is tragically forced to pronounce that truth, I never knew you. My, this morning, God was simply saying there in that verse in Jeremiah, 
And is it not? See, those people were looking for Jesus to come. Jesus has already come. We can look to the cross this morning through eyes of faith and see Him on the cross. We can look to the tomb through eyes of faith and see Him there in the tomb. We can look through eyes of faith and see that He's out of the tomb. And we see that He was seen by as many as 500 and He sits on the right hand of God today. Jesus gave His life to die on the cross for our sins. He never knew no sin. And He died for us and gave His life for us. And is it not amazing this morning that God's telling us in His Word uh, that all that He's done for us, that He has to beg us to love Him? That He has to beg us to want to live for Him? He has to beg us to be saved and beg us to trust Him and to beg us to believe Him? And yet after all that He's done for us, Boy, when, it, when, you, when you look at that and you put it in the, the limelight of those words, you know, it makes you feel like you're just about the scum under the earth to think of all that God's done. Not only did He say to those that are unsaved, He said, I never knew you, knew you but He's saying, I'm, you're never satisfied. He said in Proverbs 27, verse 20, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. This verse, don't beat around the point, uh, the, the point here. He comes right to it. Uh, speaking of hell and destruction. It's a shame today that the world in which we live in, you start talking about people dying to go into hell, that's hate speech. You start talking about destruction, that's hate speech. No, God's good and everybody's going to heaven. We're all children of God. No, we're not. Everybody's not going to heaven. If you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not going to heaven. No matter how good you are, how much you give, all the work you do, how many church rolls your name's on, you're not going to heaven if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God said hell and destruction are never full. Obviously, Solomon wanted to get the attention here to get across a very important point. Number one, in this proverb, hell and destruction are illustration of our sinful appetites. He said there's nothing in this world that's going to fulfill your appetite like I can. The hell there refers to, of course, the place of the dead. Speaks of the realm of eternal destruction. Number two, the truth to lay hold on this is hell is never full or satisfied. It's always hungry. Hell's always hungry. Destruction's always hungry. Those cravings uh, is just craving one more soul. Now, I don't know if there's any truth to this. I've heard preachers say this ever since before I was saved, since I was saved, and, and I'll probably hear it again because I'm going to say it today, so I know I'm going to hear it again because I'm going about to say it. Is these are volcanoes that are erupting. It's nothing more than hell enlarging itself. Now, the Bible teaches us about hell's enlarging itself, and it's coming out to meet us. The Bible plainly says that. But I think about that every time the news comes on. I told Karen, I said, hell's enlarging itself. Now, I don't know, I'm just saying, it just makes you think. I, I saw the, the, the rivers of lava flowing and the redness of, of it there uh, and the, the, the destruction of it. Now, think about this. If it's nothing more than a thought, think about if you had a body that could not die. By the way, if you're unsaved, you leave this world without Jesus, you will receive a body that cannot die. All it can know is the pain and the hurt where the worm dies not and the, the fire's never quenched. You think about it this morning. If you had that body and you went up there and you were standing there and that lava engulfed you and you were, could feel the pain. People can't get close to that because it's so hot and it melts. 
it, it melts and burns down to destruction. You think about it, if you had a body that you would feel and know that pain, not for a day, not for a minute or two or a day, but for an eternity. And folks, God has said, if you're not saved this morning, that's exactly what's going to happen. He, he said here that he never knew you and you're never satisfied. The, the, it's the flesh that you're living in. Likewise, point number three here, our sinful desires are never satisfied. We never have enough. You, if you're not here, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you will never find enough in this world to satisfy you. God's done promised you and told you in His Word, you will not find enough in this world to satisfy you because it's the flesh you live in can never have enough. This past week we saw two different people. Kate Spade committed suicide. She had sold her business, I think, for over a billion dollars. Just the end of the week, Anthony Bourdain could probably have anything he wanted. And they chose to hang themselves and to take their life. Could have anything. And I thought, my soul, never satisfied. Worth over a billion dollars and not satisfied. And you begin to think about that and if you, if you heard about anything of their lives and stuff, they talked about the depression that they were in. The, the, the stress and the depression and their lives that they were in. Folks, this, that is a living reality in our day. A true to life, you didn't, I didn't have to go to a commentary to get an illustration for that. That's true life today. That the flesh can never be satisfied. There's never enough. And it's not you, it's not just you. It wasn't just me when I was lost without God, but my flesh could never be, I could never find enough in this world to satisfy. And God said, you're never, you're never going to be satisfied because he said the, the eyes represent the lustful desire for those things that we see. We always want more. We see we want more. I remember when I, before me and Karen got married, I always had a four-wheel drive truck. The most I ever paid for a four-wheel drive truck, brand new, was $7,500. Me and Karen had been married for a few years. I thought, it's time. I've deserved it. I've I deserved it. I, I'm going to go get me a new truck. I went, and they were 14000 And I thought, they ain't no truck worth 14000 and I went by the Ford place here a couple of weeks ago. I, I didn't stop. I just rode by. And I couldn't even find a pickup on the lot like I used to buy. Now they're, now they're out of my, I mean, when me, I mean, my soul. There's pickup trucks on the lot today that cost as much as we paid for our house. I mean, <sighs> they, hey, they rust, they rot, they... Uh, but it is it's the seeing, the seeing, this the seeing of it. You know, uh, no matter what you get your mind on, you can get to thinking about something, uh, and you start to dwell on those things, and 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 it brings pleasure. You, you know, uh, no matter what it is, if it's sports or whatever it is, fishing, hunting, sport, whatever it is. I like woodworking. It's woodworking. 
If I'm going to do woodworking, I'm like Brother George. Brother George used to do a lot of woodworking, make art and craft. You want to get good tools, you want this, and you, you enjoy talking about it. You enjoy doing it. You enjoy comparing stuff and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, it, and there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But anytime that stuff becomes between you and God and here uh, for the unsaved is you've never known the Lord and the sake can fill you up with that kind of stuff. He said here in 1 John 2, 16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. So God tells us here, he said, for the unsaved, he said, I never knew you, you're never satisfied. And he said here in Mark chapter 3 and 29, there's never forgiveness, but he that, but he that shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost shall have never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. Now that does not mean you can't be saved. People today say, but he blasphemed the Holy Ghost, can't be saved. They don't understand what that blasphemy is. That blasphemy there is the unforgivable sin is committed by the man who continues and continues and continues until one day God says, that's it. That's it. To reject the prompting of the Holy Spirit, to blind himself to the illumination of the Holy Spirit, to willfully, willfully sin despite conviction by the Holy Spirit. When God convicts you of your sin, and shows you that you're lost and undone. And you need to be saved and you reject that. And you reject and reject and reject and reject and reject. I believe he goes right down with it. It's not what I believe. But if God's true, he'll go right to the very end to give you that opportunity to be saved by the grace of God. And we just completely insist on our own way. To just completely say, I'm not going to get saved now, God. I don't care what you do. Me and the pastor was making a visit one time and this man told the pastor, he said, the way I make my living, I can't be saved and do that, so I can't get saved because I've got to provide for my family. The preacher said, brother, you, uh, sir, you need to understand, you trust Christ as your Savior and God's going to take care of your family. God's taking care of your family now, but you just don't understand it. Not only that, but to justify himself in his sinful behavior. Folks, you can't, you, you can't just turn away from God and think everything's going to be all right. More our Sunday school this morning. Man, I, I'm telling you, what a Sunday school lesson. The, the, every sin, the, the seed is the, of, the, in itself, the punishment of it is in the sin itself. And folks, in the day and hour that we live, God says, God says, I, I never knew you. You, can, you can't never be satisfied. And there's not forgiveness for you if you don't trust me. When I come to you, there's no other choice. You have no other hope than to put your faith in me. He said in John 3, 36, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. God is pleading and begging in this world today for those that are unsaved to be saved by the grace of God and to put their faith and trust in Him. So we see the nevers that God says for the unsaved. Now, those that are unsaved this morning, listen to what God promises to those that are for the ones that are saved. And folks, we need to understand and we need to take heed to what thus saith the Lord so that when our hard times come and our troubles come, that we look back and say, man, wait a minute, God said He's never going to leave me. I can't feel Him right now, but God said He's never going to leave me. So i got to put my faith and trust in the fact God said He's not going to leave me and He's not... He said it, and I'll never perish. Point number one, never perish. John 10, 28. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God said you'll never perish. He didn't say, now if you do wrong, you'll perish. Because there's some people today that believe that. There's denominations that believe you can perish. You can lose your salvation, and you can die and go to hell after you're saved. They believe that. 
That's why they're always worried to death. That's why they walk around with their fingernails to the bone. Because if I sin, if I do this, if I do that, I do the other. I'm going to go to hell. I've got to go get saved again. If I don't get saved before I get to church, if I don't get baptized. Folks, where's the peace, rest, and joy in all of that? God gives us that peace. He said, I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. When I was, when I was little, and I know y'all used to do this, ain't a whole lot of it goes on no more, but grandma used to can stuff and put it in, put it in the glass jars and boy, she'd boil that stuff and you'd be in the house in there and those lids start popping, you know, you put the lids on and they'd pop. There's a good one. There's a good one. And they're sealed and they're good. You go to the grocery store and you buy canned food. You know, you know it's good. It's been, it's canned. It's sealed. God says, I'll put you in my hand and I'm seal you up. We're sealed in the Father's hand. One man told me, he said, I know I'm sealed in the Father's hand. And he said, but I can get myself out. And I said, now, are, are you a man? He said, yeah. I said, well, the Bible says no man can pluck me out. So, are you a man? He said, I'm a man. I said, then you can't pluck yourself out. And man, you're talking about getting fighting mad. I mean, he was ready to fight. I, I seriously. He, and I said, I, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Does the Bible not say that? Yeah, the Bible says that. Well, then if you're a man, you can't get yourself out of God's hand. But by the way, if you've ever been saved by the grace of God, who wants to get out? God says, get in, get in, get in. He said, you'll never perish. We're never, just think about it. We're sealed in his hand and no man can plug us out. Then he says, you will never see death. John 8, 51, verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Never, never. This is one of the great promises in the word of God. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Notice those two words. That's simply saying, listen, listen. You ever heard that before? <laughs> listen, listen. Notice here how this scripture brings out this glorious truth. That word death is emphatic in the Greek. It means, it begins with a sentence. That word there means death in no wise will he ever see. That means it, I'm never going to. If you're saved, you're never going to see death. Now, if you're unsaved, you're going to see it. But think about it. If you trust Jesus, you're never going to see it. You're never going to see death. There, this is not a double negative. In no wise and by no means will he ever see. That means, that means it's never going to happen. That word see death and taste death is the meaning that a a genuine believer, a true believer in Jesus Christ will never experience death nor see death. Never know death nor partake of death. Never face the condemnation of death. Never experience the terror, the hurt, the pain, and the suffering of death. Never experience the anguish of being separated from God and from His glory, the beauty and perfection and life of heaven. God says, you're never going to know that. But He doesn't say that your family won't see it. It doesn't say those that are around you won't see it because they have to get it for themselves. They have to come the same way that you got to come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you think about it this morning. He said you will never. Well, I know when I die, I'm going to die. No, you're not. Not if you're saved. <laughs> if you die, the physical body is going to back to the grave, yes. But that soul that lives inside that this house of clay here, in a flash, quicker than lightning or the blinking of an eye, the follower of Christ passes from this world 
into the next. You never, he never ceases to experience life and you never lose consciousness of this world. You leave here and go to heaven. Now God says this is for those that are saved by the grace of God. In a flash, just like that. Why? How can this be? How can I, if I'm, not, if I'm here lost, how can I know that? Well, here's how you can know that. Because of Jesus Christ. It's because Jesus came by the grace of God and gave His life on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Folks, uh, the reason why the believer shall never see death or taste death is because Jesus came by the grace of God to taste death for every man. In Hebrews 2 and 9, He tells us that. He tasted, he took the taste of death. My soul, there's a, there is a condition for escaping death if a man keep my sayings, we just read. That means you gotta, you gotta believe the word of God. You gotta believe what Jesus said, what the word of God has to say. Put your faith and trust in that word and God will save your soul and turn you from that lost man to a saved man. You will pass from death unto life and the Bible, God says you will never die. You'll never perish. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 55 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Where is the sting? Where was the sting? God took it out. But if you're lost this morning, you carry that sting with you and you will know that sting. You will not only feel it on your deathbed, you'll feel it throughout eternity. Not only did God say that you would never perish, not only did God say that we would uh, never see death, But he says here that we'll never be moved. David said in Psalms 55 and verse 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. David here concluded with a word of counsel to all those who would read his psalm. When you're in deep distress, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. David learned this. David knew this. When he looked at God, he said, Cast thy burdens upon the Lord. David had learned and he was telling others, cast your burdens upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee and he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Folks, that word there, being moved. See, David had learned this valuable lesson through experience. He, he was carrying the full weight of his trouble. He was carrying the full weight of his own, on his own shoulders. But when he gave it to God, granted him that glorious peace and that confidence of knowing that whatever happened, God was going to take care of it. Uh, David had previously feared for his life, but he was now sure that God would never let him fall. God said, you'll never be moved. That means there's nothing going to take you out of it. You're not going to, it's not going to be taken away from you. You know, uh, in the day and hour that we live, we see this all the time anymore. Well, somebody won a race. Oh, uh, this was wrong. Somebody else done this, so we're going to take the, the race away from you. Oh, you've done wrong, so we're going to take the race away from you. You know, you've done this and this and this, so we're going to take it away from you. But God's let us, let us run this race. And folks, it is a race, and so we run for Him. Uh, and we, God wants us to stay faithful. And God says, in the end, you're not, it's not going to be taken from you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And you'll never be moved. Now, God God's has the nevers that He has for those that are unsaved. And God give, has the nevers here for those that are saved. But listen to what God says to ones that God says to us that are saved. God says, number one, you'll never hunger. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. 
And he that believeth on me shall never perish. If a man comes to Christ, the bread of life, he will never hunger. Man has a starving, craving need for the needs of life. We crave the things of life. We want those things. We starve for those things. And man craves a life. When, when you're lost and undone, even when you're saved, you're, you, you crave a life that's full and satisfying. You crave a life that's nourishing. You crave a life that's sustaining. You want, we, all, we all want the good life. We want to know the joy and the rest and the peace of the Lord. And it's energizing it. And our life has its desires fulfilled. And God says, when you come to me, you'll never hunger for that again. You stay with me. You keep your eyes on me. He didn't say come to me and then start looking back at the world. He said, you come to me, keep your eyes on me, and that, 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 will, take, that will be taken away. You'll never hunger. That gnawing of starvation, that craving of life uh, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and he fully satisfies that. He takes that away. We're not always be searching for something else. Every need of life, of nourishment, and growth is met. God says you're not going to lack for anything. That you need. I'm going to take care of it. He does not say he will supply our wants. God I'll get saved. You give me a brand new whatever. God don't do that. He's not in the deal making business. Now that don't mean that you won't never hunger for righteousness. It don't mean that you won't never thirst for righteousness. You will have a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. You'll want all the God you can get. You'll thirst to know more about him. You'll want to know more about him. And that means you'll want to be in the house of God. That means you'll want to read your Bible. That means you want to pray. You want to do all you can to get all you can for the glory of God. And we will thirst after that. But that's a different thirst than the things of the world. The things of the world pulls us away and tears us down and pulls us away from God. And God says, God says, when you come to me, here's, <clears throat> he said, there you'll never hunger. And the second point there is charity never faileth. God says, my love never fails. Charity never faileth. 1 Corinthians 13 and 8. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fall. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. God not only says you'll never hungry, he never hunger, but he says, my love for you will never fail. Sometimes our love grows cold with people. Sometimes Things come our way and different things come in our life and our love grows cold for whatever it may be. But God says, my love for you will never fail. My love for you. When God so loved, that means that he loved at a depth he couldn't love anymore. He can't say, well, my love for you is grown because he loved us at a depth of love that no man could comprehend. So his love can't get any bigger than it is because it's, it's God. He's God. His love can't get no deeper because he's God. He loved it. For God so loved, it don't mean that it left an open end that he could grow to love us more. And he said, I love you that much and that's never going to change. No matter what happens. No matter what comes your way. You might get hateful, mean and unruly, but I'm not going to quit loving you. I'll wear your britches off, but I'm not going to quit loving you. I'm not going to leave you out there. See, God never says, oops. God don't never say, what have I done? He never says, how, how, how did that happen? He don't never say, I made a mistake. Two weeks ago, me and Karen was keeping Braden, and he'd done something. And Karen said, don't worry about it, Braden, that's just an accident. So now, he, he's so quick to pick up, he, everything's an accident. <laughs> an accident, Nana. Papa, accident. 
Me and him took the dog out the other day and I told him, I said, you hold on to that leash with both hands, boy. And Poncho jerked it out of his hands and Braden turned and looked at me and he said, Papa, it's an accident. I said, there wasn't no accident, you turned loose to the leash. But see, God don't, God don't say, oh, 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 I'm sorry, that was an accident. He don't say, I don't know what to do. He never says, I'm afraid of what will happen now. Can you imagine serving a God that says, oh God, I'm afraid what's going to happen now. He never says, I can do better than that. Boy, here's one. I'm glad he don't never ask. What do you think I should do? <sighs> Why didn't I think of that before? See, he loves us so much, we don't have to worry about God coming back with excuses and telling us why he failed and why he comes short. We just believe him at his word. Then he says, never thirst. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That means there that men know immediately how to quench their physical thirst, but their spiritual thirst is a different matter. Within their hearts, men sense a thirst for a purpose. Well, we all want a purpose, don't we? I'll never forget, you've heard this illustration many times. Man, the preacher made a visit, and a man laying there on his deathbed. He said, preacher, I just want to know why God put me here. What a, what a sad thing for a man to live his life and not know why God put him here. A life of meaning, significance. A life of satisfaction, fulfillment. To know that something's missing and not do anything about it. Men have a problem, however. When he talks about men here, he's talking about manhood, women and men. Sometimes we have a tendency that we usually misunderstand the spiritual thirst and try to quench it with the stagnant waters of the flesh of this world. We try to let the world quench our thirst. Folks, when we do that, we're going to the wrong source. We're getting muddy water. We're getting dirty water. We're not getting the clean water. And see, the, the result is poison and it's death. The stagnant waters of the flesh are such things as lust and morality and drunkenness and indulgence and pride. I've talked to people before to, through the years, saved in the house of God. And man, talk about how they love the Lord. Man, and these type of people, man, if you want people in church, that's the kind of people you want. And then only to find out years later, they went back on God. They went back to the bars, the honky-tonks, the things that they used to do, the old life. And then they say this, preacher, I just couldn't live it. I just couldn't live it. They ain't none of us can live it. There's not any of us that can live it. None of us. Graduate. It's God has to do it through us. And folks, we run to the world, the stagnant waters of the world, uh, to get the help for our spiritual needs. And folks, it'll, it'll drown, we'll drown out there in that mess. The stagnant waters of the flesh in the world never quench a man's thirst. You're not going to go get nothing in this world that will quench the thirst of your heart for the things of God. Nothing. No matter what it is, it's not going to quench. He said, uh, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me at the, the fountains of living water and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The living water comes from Christ. He and He alone is its source. He said, In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Then He said in Revelation 21 and 6, And He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water life freely. It's free, folks. It don't cost you nothing to trust Jesus Christ, except your sin 
And who wants that? It'll just take you to hell. But God's, God tells us again here. Not only we'll never hunger, we'll never thirst, we'll never perish, but he said we'll never die. Whosoever believeth in him should never die. Believest thou this? What a question. And whosoever believeth in me shall never die. Then he says, believest, do you believe that? Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe you'll never die? Then we need to start living like we're serving the one. Not only that, but he said in our last point, never leave thee. In our original text, Hebrews 13 and 5, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This promise here in the Word of God contains the sum and substance of all the promises that God gives. He said, I will never, no, never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. That means it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. There's no fewer than five places here all heaped together to confirm this promise. The true believer shall have the gracious promise of God with him in life at death and forever. Folks, when God says never, he means never. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, God says you're not going to heaven. You're never going to get there. You're not going to make it unless you come through the blood. And God gave some promises here. He said, I never knew you. I never knew you. God knows who you are and where you're at, but he's never had a personal relationship. Before me and Karen got married, we knew each other. We loved each other, but we really got to know one another when we got married and moved in on the same roof and all that, you know. You know your children till they become teenagers. (laughs) No, you still know them. But we think we know people. I knew a man one time. I'd worked with him for years and years. I worked with that man for 10 years. And I thought I knew him as good as anybody could know anybody until I rented our trailer to him. And then I found out I didn't even know that man at all. But God knows us. If you're saved, he knows who we are, where we are. So God says, never for the lost man. I never knew you. For the saved man, he said, I'm, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. You're never going to die. You're never going to perish. Then he says to those, he says to the saved, he said, you're never going to hunger. He said, my love for you will never fail. He says, you're never going to be thirsty. You're never going to want for me because I'm going to give you everything you need. He said, you'll never die. Then he says, you'll never leave me. God gave us, I know there's more promises that he gives, but it's almost 12 o'clock. But God gives us those five promises right there this morning. And folks, after all God's done for us, would we not just want to live for him? If you're unsaved this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, did you just not want to put your faith and trust in Him? He said, he said hey, I'm not going to leave you by yourself. I'm begging you. Trust me. Just try me. Taste me. Amen. Let's all stand.